Hello, I'm Peter Best, and it's my pleasure to welcome you to this episode of Meet the Expert, the series of podcasts brought to you by Beringer Ingelheim on swine health management. And for this episode of Meet the Expert, our subject will be colostrum management for baby pigs in sow herds. The expert to help us with this is Dr. Ruska Janssen in the Netherlands. Uh, hello, Dr. Janssen. It's good of you to join us. Hello. Good morning all to all the swine enthusiasts in the world. Uh, you and I have met before, Dr. Janssen. So how do I introduce you to our friends following this podcast? Well, basically, I'm a pragmatic industry swine vet uh, with a particular interest in colostrum management and also combined with, with intestinal health. So colostrum management, uh, uh, as sow herd operators, how should we decide if our colostrum management is working? Well, basically, it's, it's relatively simple. Uh, just checking for mortality. Uh, when the piglets suckle with, with the sows, the, the pre-weaning mortality, if this is close to 10%, it's more or less perfect. Uh, if all the mortality extra, I want to bet it's 75% is related to colostrum management practices. 75%? Gosh, that's a very high figure. I hadn't realized it was that influential. And the big risk is survivability then in that case. Uh, and uh, this is because of what the colostrum provides. And too low an intake of colostrum would mean what, please? What is there a target figure for that? Well, based on some research we uh, in, the, in the past years, we know uh, a relative a lot about, about the essential need of colostrum for a pig. And basic input for the pig, which is needed, 250 grams of colostrum. And then the survival chances are more or less equal for all the piglets if they have this in, intake of colostrum. I see. Now, Meet the Expert, this series of podcasts is about swine health management, as I've said. Uh, one of the most important health challenges for a sowherd must be how to give every piglet a good start in life, of course. This is an even greater issue today, isn't it, when modern sows farrow bigger litters than in the past? I fully agree on that one. Because, um, already explained with the 250 grams a pig uh, that you would need. Do the, the math on, on the litters that are given birth uh, the last uh, years, especially with, with the high prolific sows. Uh, we have litters of 20 pigs. And we also know that uh, a sow is producing about, yeah, give or take, three and a half, four kilos of colostrum. Uh, so we add up the math on 16 piglets. You already need four kilograms. And that's beyond the discussion how to equally divide this colostrum uh, within the piglets, within the litters. Leave alone that you have 20, 22 live-born piglets, and, and, and that's a challenge, how, how to manage this. So you're saying in, in total from the sow there may not be enough, and also it's not evenly distributed, so that adds to the problem in, in these larger litters. Correct. Yes. Uh, as a veterinarian, have you looked in detail at colostrum management of sow herds in the Netherlands? Yes, well, I did in my pastime when I worked for uh, for farmers in the feed mill industry. Uh, we did a lot of research also with, with seeing that uh, productivity of sows went up and discussion about birth weights going down. And then you end up with the farmers discussing, discussing about this. And at the end, how to manage this, this is managing colostrum. So we did we did some field research on that one. And based on that, we also started with an IgG monitoring. 
since the year to, to assess really to, to know what, what the colostrum intake of pigs is that's very labor uh, intensive uh, so we monitored uh, more or less a igg program scoring for for maternal immunity on newborn piglets and we got our 350 farms involved in that uh, that project yeah igg if if i may uh immunoglobulin uh g uh as a guide to the pig's colostrum intake uh and these igg results from these farms indicated did they that many pigs were not taking in enough colostrum um it, it's it's not direct um you cannot assess the total volume of, of colostrum which pigs drinks by igg but it does reflect uh, the management practices at the farm and you give can give farmers very pragmatic advice on how to to improve the colostrum management skills uh, so they can perform with better farms and getting the mortality down now igg if you remind me please igg is an immune protein and immunoglobulin uh what is it please and why is it important in, in terms well, of maternal antibodies well it's um as you already stated, it's IgG, it's maternal immunity. Uh, like all farm animals, uh, pigs are born without any immunity from the sow. This is specifically transferred by the colostrum. And the, the biggest part of the immunity, uh, maternal immunity, which is carried over from the sow to the offspring, that's that's the immunoglobulin G. Also A, uh, also the other immunoglobulins uh, are transferred as well, uh, but predominantly in colostrum when you check on, on which, which is the big one out there, that's IgG. And it's, it's important. It's, uh, it's a bit of immunity you can give for the, for the piglets, which it's a bit depending on, on different diseases, but it will take four to, to, for instance, 10 weeks. We know, for instance, for, for parvo infections, uh, the antibodies, they will, even be neutralizing up to nine months of age, but that's depending on, on the amount of colostrum they take in as a piglet. I see. Uh, 250 grams, by the way, if they took in more than that, are they even more protected? Uh, no, yeah, well, um, we, have, we haven't had data on, on how long uh, the IgG will, will end up, uh, but you could suggest that the more colostrum they will take in, uh, the longer the immunity will be, but it's also a bit depending on the quality of colostrum. And, and when you also look for, for time differences in when drinking colostrum, the colostrum at birth of the first piglet is not the quality as the colostrum of the piglet of the last, uh, the last birth, last born piglet. The first um, one is better than the last one. That's correct. Yeah. And, 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 and in this, and also the quality can vary with, between younger sows and elder sows. So it's not only the volume, uh, it's also the quality, uh, it's also the timing, and, and that all comes together. It's not, not just one single button. If you have this 250 grams, uh, when there's no IgG in there, there will be also no long-lasting immunity in there. I see. Now, going back uh, one more time on IgG, it's produced, what, in the sow's mammary tissue or the blood, or where is it before it's passed to the piglet? And uh, is this... Uh, uh, very much to do with the sow's own immune status? Uh, yeah, it reflects the sow's own, own immune status as well. Uh, predominantly, it's circulating in the bloodstream. And at the end of, uh, of gestation, the last weeks of gestation, the, the IgG, are, they're migrating from the bloodstream towards the, uh, the colostrum. 
And that's also what we've recently seen uh, with research we did together with uh, Wageningen and Bioveterinary Research uh, that we could assess a model uh, looking at a few parameters to predict the IgG in the piglets. One of those is, of course, serum IgG of the sow, but also colostrum IgG concentration is in there uh, and also the amount of colostrum that piglets drink and birth order. So when you take those parameters together, you're more or less able to predict about for 60 to 75% of the IgG concentration uh, in the newborn piglets at day one of life. That's interesting. This Wageningen model, how would it be uh, applied? What, could it be used in practice somewhere? Yeah, a, a few things are, are open doors and not not all things you can control as a farmer. But for instance, when, when checking for uh, the sow serum IgG, you can have influence that with on vaccines. Uh, and when the immunity of the vaccines is driven by IgG, for instance, for, for E. coli uh, protection of the piglets, you can add this by cell vaccination to add in this, this immunity. Oh, okay. um, the other parameter is, is uh, colostrum concentration. That's not easy to influence uh, as a farmer, uh, but for the farmer, it still is important to influence the, the, the body condition of the cells. Since we know that heavy body condition cells with overweight, they don't produce as much of colostrum, so that would imply a lack of colostrum. Uh, subsequently, the birth order, you cannot control, but you can use the knowledge. Uh, and when you recognized the last born piglets, that you give them extra attention, extra care to get them the colostrum as soon as possible. How, this business of the sows being overweight, I didn't know that. Is, do we know why there is this connection between... Uh, being overweight, obese in sows and, and a lower colostrum level? Well, th there's this interesting paper of uh, Professor Martineau a few few years ago. It's called Homeorasis uh, of, of, of Milk Production. Uh, it more or less describes the, 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 the transient process from, from, from a gestating sow to a lactating sow. And all those things like body weight, but also feed intake, uh, they interact with the hormonal system. And by the interaction with the hormonal system, it will influence at the end the outcome, like, for instance, colostrum volume production. Uh, what, what the exact link with body condition and, uh, and the amount of colostrum produced is, I, I don't know, but it's, it's well described in a paper from, 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 from the Ghent University a few years ago, which clearly stated out when heavy overweight sows uh, they have about one kilogram less colostrum, so that, that's sufficient to provide four colostrum, four piglets of uh, of colostrum. Can you tell me if parity of sow comes into that or into our discussion very strongly? You you mentioned young sows, gilts before. I mean, is the parity of the sow a big influence on whether the weight is important and also in other ways? Uh, yes, uh, I agree with that. Um, in, in gills, for instance, we know the colostrum production is a li little bit less, but also the colostrum quality is also less. There's less IgG. Uh, the immune system of, of gills is not that developed as compared to, to the other parity cells. And especially with gills, what also come in is just a bit of the lack of, of feed intake capacity, but that's more important during uh, lactation. Uh, but also when, when checking on the birth weights of those gills, those pickles are also about 250 grams less when compared to elder parity sows. So they're already behind in birth weight. And, and because of this vulnerable, tiny piglets, they need extra care and attention. Also, like 
extra provision of, of colostrum in this way. Mm. I'm with you. Now, you measured uh, IgG intake in these Dutch herds. I mean, how can we test for IgG intake in herds? What, what are the methods? Well, there are several methods described in literature. Uh, when you check for uh, more or less the golden standard, this would mean radial immune diffusion. Mm. It's more or less a yeah, radial immune diffusion assay in, in which the antibodies collide together and you can see uh, some, some kind of circular ring. And the size of the ring then matches up with the, the concentration of IgG, which is in the, in the sample that, that you analyze. Uh, it's also possible to check for uh, gel electrophoresis. Uh, then you look more or less at, uh, at the proteins, how the proteins are uh, divided, and then you especially focus on the gamma globulins, uh, which represent more or less the, the, the fraction of, of immunity on, on IgG. Um, there are some, some several other methods as well. I think most fats will know uh, the use of the refractometer, uh, just checking for breaking index. It's more or less an, an, an assay which you can predict uh, protein, uh, very very accurately with and the majority of protein again is then IgG um, and a few years ago uh, also in the USA uh, they found this new method it's called the immunocrit assay and this immunocrit assay is very well accurate in comparison with radial immune diffusion or uh, gel electrophoresis well, refractometry is a little bit less uh, accurate so it's more or less in indirect predicting uh, the protein uh, uh, concentration and there are some several methods as well, like zinc turbidity, uh, some other methods. To, what to, about to ELISA? Can, 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 we, can we use ELISA for this? Uh, there are ELISAs available, uh, but you really need a very specialized lab to help you uh, with the accurate determination of the, of the IgG. The, the disadvantage of the ELISAs is uh, they have a, uh, there's a relative small scale in which you have this linear correlation. Uh, between concentration and, and the ELISA uh, output. Um, more or less on, on the beginning, on the lower concentration and higher concentrations, this linearity uh, does not exist anymore. Mm -hmm. So the lab has to make the dilution to be in this within this linear scope of the ELISA. And that, that's, it's, it's a lot of time, but also a lot of know-how, uh, how to operate this, uh, this dilutions, etc. cetera. Uh, so in practice, you, you can, when you have a, very fast ELISA and you don't want to make the, the dilutions uh, according as, as they should be. Uh, it's relative unreliable data. Let me pause for a moment to remind everyone that more information on this conversation like articles, publications and videos can be found on the website pers.com. I'm with you. Now, you, you talked about immunocrit as being a relatively recent development from the States, I think you said. I, I, I know about it. This is the same as hematocrit, is it? If I say that, which is used, I think, in human medicine for anemia or something like that. Is, is, am I talking about the same sort of assay? It's a, it's a centrifuge or something. Uh, you need the same centrifuge and also the name is it's, uh, just an... Uh originated from from the hematocrit uh, uh, assay uh, only the difference is that with the immunocrit assay you work with uh, with serum and the serum you add a percentage of uh, ammonium sulfate and this ammonium sulfate will more or less disturb the uh, equilibrium the proteins can be in the uh, dissolved in the serum so the, the immunoglobulins 
uh, they react. They more or less you get an emulsion, and this emulsion that's what you centrifuge. And after centrifugation, the readout is similar as the hematocrit assay. You have an, an amount of, of solids packed together in a total column length uh, of the fluids that you sucked into this uh, centrifugation tubes, and the, this presentations of solids uh, that's very well correlated with the actual content of IgG. I see. Does it relate to piglet performance measurements uh, directly, the uh, immunocrit assay results? Yes, it does. Uh, we check for about 6,000 piglets we followed from birth uh, up to weaning. And then we clearly saw when the IgG concentration comes below this 50 milligrams uh, per milliliter, and uh, that's more or less the, the, the threshold of, uh, of, of increased mortality. If you come below this threshold, the mortality will increase. And the lower the IgG will be, the higher the mortality before weaning will, will be as well. That sounds useful. Uh, I mean, aminocrit then for, is it preferable to these other methods? You, you described RID and so on as being the gold standard, but aminocrit sounds something which is uh, uh, very useful in that way. Well, we, we've chosen for the immunocrit assay at that time because it's a very, uh, very cheap method. Uh, you, you need some ammonium sulfate and some plastics uh, and a centrifuge, and you can determine uh, the IgG concentration. Uh, of course, if, if you would use for, for a scientific standard for, for, for research, uh, I would advise to, to do radial immune diffusion or, for instance, gel electrophoresis. But those are giving a bit extra, uh, more, a bit extra accurate. Uh, but also it costs, it costs, costs, costs more money. But I think it's for everybody self to, to, to check what's available, uh, within, uh, the laboratories that I work with or what can you do yourself and, and how accurate should it be for, for instance, for, for scientific purposes or just some, some farm, uh, farm advice. Uh, I think it, it doesn't really matter if you take immunocrit or, or radial immune diffusion. But, uh, yeah, uh, it sounds very practical though, Dr. Jansen, that, you know, we're used to weighing pigs if we want to know about colostrum intake. And that's, uh, uh, you know, if a birth and 24 hours later, for example, that's a, a quite a, an effort. We don't do it in practice. This sounds, if you take blood tests and you can uh, get these results, that sounds a better way of doing them, doing it in practice than weighing pigs. Well, Peter, you hit the nail on the head. Um, I think when, when you go to a farm as a vet and you want to know how much colostrum do those pigs drink, you can discuss about it, but at the end, it's just weigh, suckle, weigh. So you have to weigh the pigs twice at birth and 24 hours later, do it again. And you have to keep up the administration. So then you come back in one, two or four weeks and you go back to the farmer again. Okay, so how many data do we have about colostrum intake? And if you're lucky, they have a few litters uh, that they followed some pigs, uh, but you cannot tell anything of, of the total colostrum production of the sow, the, the colostrum yield. Since you don't have data, it takes too much time. Uh, it's too much of an effort uh, to do this. And, and, and that's also one of the reasons that, that colostrum research uh, in, in sows is rel relatively scarce. There, there are some publications, but it's also with, uh, there's a huge amount of time that you need to supervise the variance, especially during night times, uh, to weigh the pigs twice, uh, 24 hours later, etc. So it's uh, not suitable for, for farm circumstances. Ah, uh, yeah. yeah no. So you've talked about 250 grams as being optimal, as being the optimal intake. Uh, do, do, how do we arrive at that figure? Is this 250 grams, by the way, 
for the first 24 hours of life or is it 20, 250 grams according to the birth weight of the pig in kilograms or how is that 250 grams? Uh, the, this 250 grams it originates from uh, the De Villiers study, uh, published at the beginning of the millennium. Um, this research group they studied with, uh, they started with weighing pigs twice, so at birth, and 24 hours later, and they used bottle feeding to check for the uh, weight increased. And they have a lot of math behind on uh, time of access at the other, uh, some other parameters, and this then more or less the outcome is then this 250 grams of colostrum intake. Uh, but it's not related to 250 grams growth increase because this more or less reflects, but that, that's based on, on work we did in, uh, in the field ourselves. Uh, you have this about 5% weight increase uh, to obtain this 250 grams of colostrum intake. And to be honest as well, this, this 250 grams will even be an underestimation. Uh, there was recently some, some Danish work also uh, checked for colostrum intake. They used deuterated water. Uh, to check for colostrum intake when the pigs were actively sucking uh, colostrum themselves. Uh, and then you'll end up with a 43% higher colostrum yield when compared to the Davilis method. Now, it's more or less yeah, just checking the temperature uh, when you talk about Fahrenheit or, or, or Celsius. Uh, but at the end, the pragmatical way at the farm, if you want to know what do you need for su survivability of the piglets for a good chance of survive up to weaning, it's the pragmatic output is 5% weight increase. That's what you need. I'm with you. But I'm going to pursue that 250 grams one more time because variable birth weights come into this. Is 250 grams optimal for a pig weighing a certain amount at birth and it needs more if it weighs less? Or, how you know, is there a, is there a relationship to its birth weight? Yeah, well, uh, related to, to, to birth weights, then you, you have cookie monster piglet and you have eeny meeny mouse piglet. And most of the practical research in the past is just checking for, for based on, on, uh, on the research, uh, the calculations that you have on weight increase, etc., that we know that 250 grams is the optimum. And this doesn't matter if the pig is 1,000 kilograms at birth or two, two, uh, uh, sorry, uh, 1,000 grams at birth or 2,000 grams uh, at birth. Uh, it's more or less that the survivability does not increase above this 250 grams. But then when cooking a monster comes in, uh, if you leave him the choice, it will suckle five, 600 grams of colostrum, no, no problem. But he doesn't need it. It's better to share this with his litter mates, with his siblings. Yes, he's taking it away from the ones who really need it. Yes, I can see. Uh, obviously, then, uh, you, you've, as you've said, uh, the practice that was used to define optimal intake isn't something we could be using on a farm. Obviously, we're not going to look at villi and so on. And what we need to be doing is looking at this 5% weight increase, 50, 70 grams, I guess, uh, and the mortality rate pre-weaning, of course. Uh, but as you've said, it can be difficult to collect data. And uh, so uh, do you think then uh, we should be doing that as a matter of course as sow operators. I will ask you about field veterinarians in a minute. Do you think that uh, we, measurements should be conducted in sow herds more often? Um, depending on w w what they're willing to do with it. 
uh, if you have a sow herd which is reluctant to do anything with the advice, uh, you can put a lot of time and a lot of effort, and uh, but at the end you will know if, if the mortality is about about fifty percent or higher, that more or less the colossal management uh, is is not appropriate. Uh, so it's based on on this output. If if they're willing to work and they're motivated, and my experience is that even the farms with low mortality uh, have a better motivation to check for this and to improve the, the practices at the farm uh, at the end to lower the mortality. But are there ways as farmers that we can be, if you like, taking a rough and ready check on our pigs to be uh, checking on them? I mean, the way they look, the way they feel? I think, yeah, the most important piece of instrument of a vet are, are the eyes. Uh, and, and check for what's happening at the farm. Uh, so especially when, when you go into farms, especially on the day where the, where the piglets are born, and you use your eyes and you check what, what's happening. And also, especially what, what, what the piglets can tell you themselves. Um, I haven't told about, about for, for the energy, uh, backpack of energy that the piglets are born with. But this is the lowest of all farm animals. Uh, they have about a backpack for, for a few hours, for, for half a day uh, to 17 hours, and then, then yeah, energy is gone. Uh, and that's why they, they're so dependent on colostrum, because they need the energy and just for, for keeping themselves warm. And that's also important when you have a, a, a colder environment, a colder barn, and you can see this with your eyes, you, you, or also for, for draft, when, when the, the piglet's lying be behavior is not as, as it should be. Then... You cannot compensate it with colostrum management as well, uh, but they will need then extra energy again uh, because they will chill, they will get cold, they will get slow, and they don't drink themselves anymore. Well, that, that's not what you want. So with the ice, you, you can see a lot uh, on this to, to improve also the, the, the advice at the farm and also for, for the advice on colostrum management practices. And can you feel, if you pick up a pig, can you feel if it's, you know, in good nick as far as taking in colostrum yes yes, yes you can feel uh, and and that's that's also an eye-opener for uh, for most of, of the farmers uh, when the pickles are born they're about the same temperature as the sow more or less 38 39 degrees rectal temperature and when you pick up a piglet half an hour later and you use the, the rectal thermometer just to, to check to, and that that's also to convince the farm staff. And when you'll see that, that the majority of pigs, they go down to, to 35, 37, and that's when it's relative uh, okay in the surrounding temperature. But sometimes they even drop to 34 degrees, uh, and that's a real eye-opener. And, of course, you don't need this thermometer to measure because you, you can feel when you when you keep the pigs in your hand, they're chilled, they're cold, they're slow. Uh, but you can for sure use the thermometer to, to, to show the farms, okay, this this pig now, it's, 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 it's half half an hour, one hour of age, and it's now 34 degrees. So, so how, how should he drink colostrum himself? He's not able to. And, and, and that's really an eye-opener for, uh, for farm staff. Now, you referred to colostrum providing energy. I'd like to go on to that uh, very quickly because we talked about earlier the IgG and the other maternal antibodies that it's providing. Now you're saying about energy. The content of the colostrum itself, uh, you said, changes with time. Uh, is, is energy there from the start or does it get more? If you understand me, how does the protein, which is the part, I guess, that has the immunoglobulins in and the energy, how does that change with time? Well, when you look at colostrum, it's, it's, uh, it has 
the total, the highest amount of, of energy there, uh, when you look for, for subsequent mill production of the sows, uh, then the colostrum, it's, it's the highest in, in the energy. Uh, the difference is when you go from colostrum to more or less to, to, to a transient period to, to go to milk in three to seven days, uh, you see that the shift of, of the high amount of, especially the high amount of protein in colostrum at start, and a relative still high amount of fat, but the, this fat amount will increase further on. It, it goes to, to 8, 9, 10% in, in a few days. And during subsequent lactation, it's about 7, 8% of, uh, of fat, uh, which is in, in, in the milk. And this protein content mainly is reducing. Uh, and it starts about, I think, about, uh, about 15, 16, 17%. And this will reduce later on uh, to 7, 7.5% of, of total protein. Gosh, it drops by half in, in a relatively short space of time. Then. Uh, the protein, especially, that's dropping very, uh, very fast. It, it goes, it will be reduced for half in about six to 12 hours of time. So, and that is, I suggested, where the immunoglobulins are in the protein part. Uh, and therefore, that, that's correct. They're going down at a heck of a rate as well. And so we've got a real narrow time frame as far as that's concerned. And then I was always told the problem was the piglet's uh, gut closure. Uh, was the the real limiting factor is is it the the variation of the colostrum or the piglet's gut or both that gives us this very narrow time frame well it, it's it's both uh, of course the the the, the, uh, the gut will close uh, when we're getting in touch with proteins etc uh, it will close in the, in a few hours or a few days but depending also on uh, on the volume and the amounts which are provided to to the intestines but it's also very important on on, on time and and that you realize that's this transient period from, from colostrum to, to milk, it's not, it's not that you have colostrum in there for 48 hours and for, from one on the other minute, we, we talk about milk. It's a very, very transient process. Uh, we start with a lot of protein, 16%, decreasing to 5% in, in, in a few days' time. But when you look at the immunoglobulins, which are predominantly there at, at the colostrum at, at the onset of farrowing, and I more or less explain this to the farmer. This, this, this backpack of IgG is there in the other. That, that's provided there in a few weeks' time uh, by the sow. You will dilute this with milk, and there will come extra milk and milk and milk, and the protein, they will go down and down and down. And that, that's already visible, and that's also what we've seen in the, in the study we did ourselves. When you check for IgG on birth order, you see that the last-born piglets will have significantly lower IgG. That's not since they have had access to, to less colostrum, but it's also just a, a quality effect. So the colostrum quality, reducing in protein, reducing in IgG, so the last one piglets get less IgG at, uh, uh, in the colostrum ingested, and this also re reflects the serum values of IgG. Ah, very good. Dr. Janssen, thank you for that. In a second podcast, I'm going to be asking you what the uh, options are as herd managers for managing improving colostrum quality and intake uh just quickly before we end then what routines do you advocate yourself for routine colostrum management in the sow herd well i think to start with it's just and, and that's the easy and the fastest way and you get a can get really do a lot for all the piglets and just just the split suckling uh, protocol 
So you set some pickles apart uh, so that uh, more or less the, the vulnerable pickles get, get more time and, and less competition to, to gain the colostrum that they need. When you go beyond of that, that will get will be more laborious, but then we'll talk about helping the pickles to the other. And, and when you go to the golden metal, uh, that will be, will be then bottle feeding of pickles, which is very time consuming, but you for sure can help pickles with this. I look forward to a further discussion with you in another episode to meet the expert. Can I just say for the moment, many thanks indeed for your help with this episode. We've been talking to Dr. Rutger Janssen in the Netherlands about colostrum management of baby pigs in sow herds. And as you hear, uh, we will have a second episode where we continue our conversation about this. So stay tuned, but for the moment, goodbye. Just before you go, we hope you've enjoyed hearing our conversation with the most recent winners of the annual European PERS Research Awards. Bear in mind that next time, one of the winners could be you. Beringer Ingelheim is again providing three awards of €25,000 to fund the winning PERS Research Studies in Europe and is particularly interested in practical proposals. The deadline for submissions is the first day of July and more information can be found on the website pers.com. We hope to hear from you.